Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlo, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlo's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlo's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE. Today on the Matt Wall Show, don't be fooled by the reopening that's happening in many states across the country. It's not a real reopening, and I'll explain what's actually going on. And five headlines, including Stacey Abrams defending an accused rapist because she's desperate for the vice president job, and a bishop claiming that God doesn't punish. Those are direct quotes. And in our daily cancellation, I will deliver perhaps the most well-deserved uh, cancellation yet. So we'll get to all of that. And uh, but first, I, I, I just, I, in fact, right off the top, I just want to mention this because I just read it. I guess I could save it for the headlines, but I want to mention it now. Uh, there's this story out of Kentucky. Um, Governor Andy Bashir he gave a gave a press conference a few days ago. He was talking about the unemployment uh, issue in the state, and he was saying that there are people who are filing false unemployment claims. And uh, either as a joke or, or because they're scam otters or, or whatever. And he was admonishing the people filing, filing the false claims. And he mentioned specifically one case of a false claim. He said that somebody filed a, a false claim in the name of Tupac Shakur. Um, and he said, that's very bad. Don't do that. And he went on about it. Well, come, it, 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 it turns out that there, there is actually a Tupac Shakur living in Kentucky, and he's unemployed right now. He's really filing for unemployment benefits. Now, this is not the Tupac Shakur, the rapper from the 90s. Of course, we know he is still alive, but he's in he's in Cuba with Elvis. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be hiding out in Kentucky. He'd be a little bit conspicuous there, probably. So he, he and, and so Tupac Shakur of Kentucky contacted the governor somehow and said, hey, man, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm real, okay? And I'm unemployed. You just accused me of something. And so Bashir had to come out and apologize to Tupac Shakur for accusing him of not being real. And so that's a re- that's that's an actual thing that happened. And the thing is, when you hear this, your first thought is that you feel sorry for Tupac Shakur because, I mean, first the guy was named Tupac Shakur. You think his parents named him Tupac Shakur. That's bad enough. Uh, and, uh, and then he's unemployed, and, and now he's being accused of being a scam artist in front of, in front of, uh, in front of the entire state. So you think, you know, you, you feel bad for him. But then you read the story and you find out, I mean, you still feel bad for him for being unemployed, but... Uh, come, come, it, it turns out that he changed his own name legally in 1998 to Tupac Shakur. And that makes, I don't mean to victim blame, but that does make me think it's a little bit your fault, I think, if you change your name to Tupac Shakur. Uh, th- there's going to be confusion. And probably throughout the last 22 years of your life, there's been a lot of confusion, I imagine. So you can't really blame Bashir that much. Now, if you, if you, if you take on a name like that, you, there's some stuff's going to come with the territory. You just have to accept it. It would be like if I changed my name to, I don't know, Britney Spears or something legally, and then I got annoyed every time people were confused by it. I go in for a job interview, and someone says, says here that your name is Britney Spears? 
Yeah, what's the issue? What's the problem? Why does everyone always look like that? When I say, what, what, what a guy can't be named Britney Spears? So uh, I can kind of see, I can, I can see from Bashir's perspective. But anyway, great, great stuff. Uh, great for everyone except for those directly involved. All right, let's move to um, this. We're, we're told, the story we're told is that the country is reopening slowly. States are reopening across the country. But a word of caution about that. Uh, when you hear about the reopening of the states, you have to actually look at the plan that many of these states have enacted. And if you do, you notice two things. First, that the plans are laid out in an arbitrary way. And that's been the that's been the case, that's been the theme all along. These arbitrary regulations. The, the regulations were arbitrary to begin with, and so of course now they're being repealed and um, put aside in an arbitrary way. And two, you, you see that in so many cases, the states that are quote-unquote reopening aren't really reopening at all. And that's a very important point. I'll get more into this in detail in just a second, but first, a word from our friends at Noom. Um, you know, you hear about one-size-fits-all. You go to the store, there's a one-size-fits-all clothing. The thing about one-size-fits-all is that it never fits all. And that's especially the case for me. One-size-fits-all anything doesn't fit me because I have a very weirdly shaped frame. I'm just very, apparently, there's there's no one quite as misshapen as me, so I, I can never fit into the one-size-fits-all stuff. Well, with all the diet and exercise noise out there, um, how do you know what's going to work with you with that? When it comes to diets especially and exercise routines, it cannot be one-size-fits-all. You have to decide what your goals are, and Noom is there to help you reach them. This is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Noom knows that strong community and expert coaching are key to making lifestyle changes at last, whether trying to lose weight or get, or get, uh, or get fit. Whatever your goals are, Noom is there to help you. And I know that that's been my experience with Noom, and that's what I really appreciate about it, is that it is so specific to what your own particular goals are. Uh, you don't all have to have the same goals, and you don't have to go about it the same way. Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. It helps you to understand the psychology behind better decision-making to make you smarter, and then it puts you in charge. With moderation over restriction, no food is good or bad or off-limits. It's all about moderating and having a good plan in place. So shut off all the noise and sign up for your trial today at Noom.com, N-O-O-M.com slash Walsh. Get personalized guidance at Noom.com slash Walsh. That's N-O-O-M.com slash Walsh. So let's look at an example of a state that's supposedly reopening, California. Here are the stages of reopening. Reading this from ABC7 in California. It says, stage one, everyone is either staying at home or a member of the essential workforce. This is the stage we're in now and will stay in until modification to the statewide stay-at-home order is made. Stage two. And this is weeks away, we're told. Um, reopening lower-risk workplaces, including non-essential manufacturing, schools, childcare facilities, retail businesses for curbside pickup only, offices where working remotely isn't possible but can be modified to make the environment safer for employees. And then stage three, this is months away, reopening higher-risk workplaces, which require close proximity to other people, including hair salons, nail salons, gyms, movie theaters, sporting events, in-person religious services, churches and weddings. And then stage four is ending the stay-at-home order altogether. So in California, even to begin the reopening phase is weeks away. And then when they do begin it, large sectors of the economy will remain closed for months. 
And churches will have to remain closed for months too. If you want to get married in California, you are out of luck for the near future. You can't do it. Schools can go back, but churches cannot. Then let's look at Maryland, reading from the Baltimore Sun. It says, in the first stage, local governments would have the flexibility to make decisions on reopening libraries, parks, and other services. Stage two would allow for larger social gatherings, indoor gym classes, regular child care, increased mass transit schedules, indoor religious services, restaurant and bar service with restrictions, and elective procedures at hospitals. Stage three would allow large social gatherings, the reopening of entertainment venues, large religious gatherings, and fewer restrictions on visitors at nursing homes and hospitals. Um, Now, Hogan says it's optimistic to think that maybe the first stage might start as early as May. So again, if you want to talk about a full reopening of the economy in Maryland, we are, it sounds like, months away from that. Pennsylvania, they have a fun... uh, color-coded three-phase system of reopening. Right now, we're in the red phase. That means everyone has to stop doing everything, can't do anything. Okay, we know about that. And then we move on to the yellow phase, which according to um, triblive.com, telework must continue where feasible. Businesses with in-person operations must follow safety orders. Childcare facilities open with worker and building safety orders. Restrictions in place for prison and congregant care. Schools closed for in-person instruction. Stay-at-home restrictions lifted in favor of aggressive mitigation. Gatherings of more than 25 prohibited. Uh, So presumably that includes churches. Uh, Recreation and health and wellness facilities such as gyms and spas and all entertainment venues, including casinos and theaters, remain closed. Bars and restaurants limited to carry-out and delivery only. And then the green phase is everything is opening. North, North Carolina, they're in a full lockdown mode until at least May 8th, may extend that longer. And then reading from the Charlotte Observer, the lockdowns, um, when, they, when they do begin, and they might begin May 8th, if they do, when they do, uh, phase one, reopen parks, allow for non-essential travel to retailer sites like clothing and sporting goods stores, books and houseware shops. Um, those businesses must implement social distancing, cleaning protocols, and screen employees for symptoms. Um, gatherings of more than 10 people are banned. Uh, people are encouraged to wear face coverings. At least two or three weeks later, phase two will begin by lifting the stay-at-home order, but encouraging at-risk groups to remain home, limited capacity for restaurants and stuff. And then phase three, which is a full reopening, that's four to six weeks after phase two. Okay. And in fact, even a place like Texas, the lockdowns are being eased, but restaurants can only have to limit their dine-in capacity to 25%. So you see, what we're hearing about with the lockdowns being lifted is, is BS. It's not true. Most states are planning to keep a relative stranglehold on the economy for many more weeks, if not months. That's the reality. And what is the point of this? What does it achieve? Why open in, in these phases rather than all at once? Um, here's the reality that we have to face eventually. Because this, this three-phase or four-phase or seven-phase, whatever phase, however many phases it is in, in, in whatever state, this strategy seems to be accepted by most people as, as logical. But I don't think it is. I don't see the point of it. We, the reality is this. We are going to be opening the economy fully eventually with the virus still out there. There is no way around that. 
You can have all the phases you want. One way or another, we are going to have to get back to life, to relatively normal life, with the virus still out there. That is going to happen. Everyone needs to get that through their heads. It is going to happen. So then what is the point of stalling or staggering it like this? What really is the difference between Pennsylvania opening completely now or in August? I mean, one difference is that in August, the economy is going to be even in, in even more shambles than it is now. Um, but whether we open now or in August, the virus will still exist. There will still be no vaccine. So why stall until then? You can say, all you want, oh, we're flattening the curve, we're flattening the curve. Okay, so what? Eventually, you're going to have to open again, and then there's going to be another curve if the virus still exists. One thing I've heard is that we don't want to throw open the doors and let people get back to their lives because we can't trust people to be responsible. So we have to ease them into it. That's nonsense. Again, we're going to have to trust people eventually. Either we do it later and we continue to destroy the economy in the meantime, or we do it now. That's your choice. Those are the only choices. Either people will go back to their lives while remaining smart and vigilant, um, and, and practicing good hygiene and so on, or they won't. But, but putting it off longer isn't going to change that result. So if you're worried that people w- won't be smart about it and they're going to you know, do stupid things or whatever, that's no matter, we could open now, we can open in July, August, September, October, that's still going to be the issue. We, we, we really have two choices here, okay? There are only two ways to go. We can trust people citizens to be responsible with their freedom, or we can trust government to take the freedom away and be responsible with the power that they get uh, in the process. Those are your two options. There cannot be a third. You trust the people with their freedom or the government with power. Those are your, which is it? Which do you trust more? Which leap of faith is more dangerous? Which downside are you more willing to deal with? Trust the citizen with freedom or the politician with power. Now, I think it goes almost without saying that the former, trusting trusting freedom over power, is the more American choice. But you have to choose either way. And luckily, we don't really have to speculate how these things go. We've seen what the government does with this power, and it's not pretty. It is indeed exactly what you would expect them to do. Abuse it, wield it in egregious and gratuitous ways, take the power we give them, use it as a cudgel against us, grab even more power. Uh, That's what they do. That's what they've done. We've seen it. Now, have we had enough or do we want more? Sure, on the other side, we've seen examples of people being stupid. Uh, Some people in Chicago had a a party, a house party over the weekend with a stripper and everything. And, and, uh, you know, people packed in very tightly into a, into a, a house, dozens of people, maybe even more than that. That obviously is a stupid thing to do right now, okay? Um, and there are people doing stuff like that. Are they in the majority? Are most people doing that sort of stuff? No. And besides, they did that even though it's illegal. That's the point. So the lockdown order did nothing to stop anyone from actually congregating and having a party if they want to have a party. 
So the reckless and irresponsible people are going to be reckless and irresponsible regardless. Only the responsible people can be controlled potentially by regulations and laws and that sort of thing. And they're exactly the ones you don't need to control in this situation because they're going to be responsible. So the, the whole thing doesn't make sense. The whole strategy to me is, uh, is nonsensical. And my fear is that people will be satisfied and satiated because we hear that, oh, we're in the process of reopening. No, we're, we are really not. The game here is to keep us closed down while pretending that we're opening up. So the powers that be, they want to have it both ways. But let's not let them do that. Okay, we're going to go to headlines in a second. But first, uh, I want to check in with Wise Foods. Our sponsor, Wise Company, uh, recently changed their name to Ready Wise. And now is a better time than any to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. Uh, I mean, this you couldn't ask for a more timely thing to consider here. ReadyWise has many options like emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, uh, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, other outdoor activities. ReadyWise meals are easy to prepare. All you got to do is add water. Uh, couldn't be Even I couldn't screw that up. And they have a very long shelf life. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is, as I said, a perfect time to be prepared for long-lasting food, especially when they're talking about you know, disruptions in the supply chain, disruptions to the, uh, to, especially when it comes to things like meat and so on, um, scarcities and, and everything else. Uh, now's the time to be prepared. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You order online, have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. Can't get easier than that. ReadyWise uses the finest ingredients, the latest food preparation technology, all to ensure optimal taste and freshness. Because just because you're being prepared and um, you're getting this food doesn't mean that it has to taste bad. Okay, don't don't settle for that. ReadyWise makes delicious food as well. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at ReadyWise.com when entering Walsh at checkout or by calling 855-475-3089. ReadyWise has a 90-day, no-question-asked return policy. So there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, ReadyWise.com, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Walsh to get free shipping. All right. Stacey Abrams is a woman devoid of any political talent, charisma, skill, let alone achievement. Um, There's just nothing about her that is, from a political perspective, at all exciting or engaging. But... She desperately wants to be vice president, and she has been on TV essentially threatening Biden to get the job, saying that um, he needs to hire a black woman, and hey, she just so happens to be a black woman. You know, uh, she, what she's saying is, hey, I'm, I'm not saying hire me, but I am saying that if you don't hire a black woman, you're racist. And by the way, I'm a black woman. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, in fact, being a black woman appears to be her only qualification for the job, which is why she leans so heavily on it. Well, she seems to have switched her tactic a little bit here because she's gone from threatening Biden to sucking up to him to try to get the job. She was asked about the rape allegations against the Democratic nominee. And here's what she said. Brave, courageous, Stacey Abrams says, I believe women deserve to be heard, and I believe that has happened here. She's she's saying Tara Reid has been heard. The mainstream media has ignored it, but she's been heard. The allegations have been heard and looked into by who? Who's looked into them? 
Right? Nobody in the mass media has. And for too many women, often, that is not the case. The New York Times conducted a thorough investigation, and nothing in the Times Review or any other later reports suggest anything other than what I already know about Joe Biden, that he will make women proud as the next president of the United States. This woman is such a snake. She really is. Um, I, I just have such contempt for all of these people who have been going on with the, with the uh, Me Too, Believe All Women shtick for years now. And, uh, and they're throwing all that to the side. Because we keep comparing, I've compared Biden and Kavanaugh saying that there's so much more evidence against Biden than there was against Kavanaugh. But not just, uh, if, put Kavanaugh to the side for a minute. There is more evidence against Biden than there was against a lot of the guys who got caught up in the Me Too movement. Many of whom I'm sure were actually guilty. But there's much more evidence against him than there was against a lot. With so many of these cases in the Me Too movement, all you really had was women making accusations. There was, there was no other evidence besides that. With this, you've got, you have corroborating evidence. You have people coming out and saying, yes, I, she told me about this. I know about this. You've got video evidence from the Larry King show. I mean, so there, there is, if this is not enough to convince you, and I'm not even saying it's enough to convince me. I'm not convinced. I think it's compelling evidence. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I certainly lean towards believing it. In fact, I'll tell you one of the re main reasons I lean towards believing it. On top of all the evidence, uh, and, and, and uh, along with the lack of an apparent political motive of Tara Reid, I mean, she's not some kind of conservative activist. If she was, then I would say that's that's very uh, that's a very good reason to be extremely skeptical. But I'd say one of the main reasons I, I, I lean towards believing it is that Joe Biden has not addressed it. Okay, and yeah, he hasn't been forced to address it because our clown car hack media has has not forced the issue so he hasn't he hasn't had to address it but it's not as though this is some fringe wacko on a blog somewhere making a claim and i could see if you're a public figure and there's a fringe wacko on a blog making a claim and if it's not true you might just ignore it and say nothing about it unless you're forced to acknowledge it that's not what's happening here yeah the mainstream media is ignoring it but the story is still out there people know about it um so this is not a fringe thing and yet Biden hasn't addressed it. And so I think to myself, if you're an innocent man and there's this claim out there about you and it's totally untrue, and but it's out there and millions of people have heard about it, wouldn't you be champing at the bit to get out and deny it? Why wouldn't you deny it? There's no reason not to. Again, if it's, if it's something not a lot of people have heard about, then that's a reason maybe to not to not acknowledge it or deny it because you don't want to you don't want to call more attention to it. But everybody knows about it now. Why wouldn't you? I, I mean, I you, you would have if it was me running for office and this was out there and it was false, you would have to tie me to my chair to get me to not go out and be denying this um, hither and yon. I mean, because you're innocent, right? So the fact that Biden is not out there denying it and addressing it head on and saying, this is simply not true. It didn't happen. It is not true. This woman is lying. He's not saying that. So anyway, those are all the reasons to, to, to lean towards believing it. Um, all of that is more compelling, uh, adds up to more compelling evidence than, than existed against a lot of the Me Too guys.
and many of whom, by the way, denied it also. I'm not saying that denying it proves they didn't do it, but they at least denied it. So you've got a denial and in many cases no evidence, and you're going to believe that, but not this. So all of these, every single person who was cheering on the Me Too movement and now is defending Biden, they're all a bunch of contemptible, disgusting snakes. I, I, I Really, they really are. They don't, they don't give a damn about women. They couldn't care less. Rape victims, they don't care about you at all. It's a game to them. It's a game. Number two, LifeSite News reports, the president of the German Bishops' Conference, Bishop George uh, Batzing, has stated that the coronavirus pandemic is not God's punishment, contradicting numerous Catholic leaders who have called COVID-19 a chastisement. According to the website of the Diocese of Limburg, Germany, uh, Batzing said on April 23rd that he cannot understand people who consider COVID-19 God's punishment. My God has not known such thoughts since Jesus died for us. That is when God has made his decision for life. God does not punish, he said. Now, I agree, actually, that this is not a punishment from God. It's a virus. They happen. Um, it's also hard for me to see God sending a punishment that is specifically inflicted on the sick and the weak and the vulnerable. So if you call it a punishment, what you're saying is that God is punishing us by specifically inflicting additional pain and suffering on people who are already in pain and suffering. So I have a pretty significant theological problem with that. However, obviously, the idea that God doesn't punish is absurd, and there's no way to read the Bible and come away with that conclusion. Uh, you just can't do it. Number three, the Wall Street Journal reports that due to the government relief efforts, half of all workers in the U.S. stand to earn more from unemployment than they did from their jobs. And uh, this is a perfect illustration. So they're earning more from unemployment than they did from the jobs. I've actually gotten a lot of emails from people saying this, that um, they, they're, at, they're in kind of a crossroads. They're, they're in a dilemma right now because they file for unemployment. They're getting paid more than they would in the workforce. And yet there, maybe there's a job opportunity opened up. They're trying to decide, should I take the job and take a pay cut? Um, so that, that's an interesting dilemma. But this is a perfect illustration of what I said earlier, that you can't trust government. You can't trust government because of corruption and, and, and power drunkenness, but also because of plain old incompetence. Trying to save the economy by passing a bill that incentivizes unemployment is crazy. And I know you might say, well, this, this at least solves the problem. There's not going to be people going hungry and so on. We know people are still going hungry because look at the, look at the lines at the food banks. So here, here's the problem. Uh, you got so many people being unemployed all at once. Talk about a curve, okay? You've got a you got a, a mass of people being unemployed all at once. Many of them don't qualify for unemployment. Many of them have not been able to get through to file for it. Many of them have been waiting for their file for their claim to go through. So you've got a ton of people who, for whatever reason, haven't or can't file for unemployment, and they're out of luck completely. They're the ones in line at the food bank, and then you've got another segment of people who uh, are. Yes, are being taken care of, but to the extent that they have no incentive to get back into the workplace. So this is the worst of both worlds. There are still millions of people who are not being taken care of and who are going hungry and have to wait in line at food banks. And you got other people who now they have an incentive to be unemployed. And so now, now employers are screwed because there are employers out there who need workers and are hiring, actually, but they're having a harder time finding people because of the uh, because we've incentivized, incentivized unemployment. 
So it's just, it's a, it's an absolute mess. The worst of every possible world is what the, is, that's the solution the government has given us. Number four, the CDC is now recommending that you socially distance from your pets as well. Because there's a minuscule possibility that your pets would get, could get the virus, and so you have to socially distance from them. And I think uh, that is just not possible at all if you have a dog, because dogs do not respect personal space. And this is why I don't understand why people like dogs so much. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, this, is, this is actually the reason people do like dogs. They say, oh, I love it. I come home. The dog is jumping up on me. He's so excited. He's always so excited to be around me. Yeah, do you really need that kind of affirmation all the time? Do you need, every time you walk in the door, someone to be jumping for joy that you walked in the house? Do you need someone following you around all the time, begging for your attention? Now, if you're a parent, you've already got people following you around, begging for attention. Do you need another creature in the house doing that? I don't get it. Number five, um, and the CDC is now saying that the models tell us that deaths will rise again because of the economy reopening. The models have spoken. This is what you're going to see. And the economy isn't really reopening, like I said, but it's allegedly reopening. And so now we're going to start hearing about the models. The models, the models have spoken. The models are saying, the models have said, go back to your house. Listen to the models. Obey the models. Do not defy the models. Go into your home. Hide under your bed, lock your bedroom door, hide under your bed until the models say it is safe. All right. Um, we're going to go to our daily cancellation. It is, as I said, a well-deserved one. But before we do, yeah, I really want to tell you about this. Uh, you, you, you think about the impact of all this on small business owners. Uh, many this has been a huge strain, obviously, on small businesses. And small businesses are, this is not some political platitude, small businesses are the lifeblood of our economy. Most of the businesses in America are small businesses. And the other thing is, many, even the small businesses that are managing to survive, they're having to deal with you know, having staff work remote and uh, having to kind of adjust on the fly. Now, when you start having your employees working remote, you have to manage your workforce and your workflow really well. You know, systems are very crucial. The Benham brothers are great at managing work teams that are all over the country. These guys have over a dozen businesses, including a real estate empire that spans over 35 states. Um, The name might ring a bell. The Benham brothers, you might remember, they were slated for a reality TV show on HGTV. They were canceled because of their conservative values, and uh, they stuck with those values, even, even giving up the TV show, all the money I'm sure that would have come with that. So a lot of respect for these guys. Over the last six months, these guys have been working on a new course called Expert Ownership, How to Own a Business Without It Owning You. And in this course, they teach entrepreneurs and small business owners the exact system they've used to build uh, better businesses. If you're sitting at home trying to run your business right now, Expert Ownership was made for you. The Benham Brothers slash the cost of the course to help small business owners and entrepreneurs who are trying to navigate all that's happening right now. So head over to benhambrothers.com slash Walsh to see a preview of the course and get a special discount. That's benhambrothers.com slash Walsh, B-E-N-H-A-M, brothers.com slash Walsh. All right. Uh, Actually, we'll do the daily cancellation in a second. I also wanted to play this for you just because it's funny and I have to put it in somewhere. So we'll, we'll do it here. TikTok is generally a godforsaken hellscape of stupidity and degeneracy, but every once in a while, 
There is real art on TikTok. There is something really meaningful and valuable. And this is one of those times. Watch this. I never would have thought that the girl that I decided to sit next to that very first day in Mr. Cooley's seventh grade science class would become one of my best friends. We have been through everything together, from all of our annual Friday night sleepovers to the many weekends spent away at dance competitions to the many, many margaritas drank at the Dirty Dip in college. Daniel is perfect. He's everything I could ever imagine for you and more. He's tall, he's handsome, he has a pulse, and he's a boy. The love you share for each other inspires me each and every passing day. As I stand here today as your best friend and maid of honor, I can't help but think back to that little girl in Mr. Cooley's seventh grade science class who always dreamed of the day she would marry her Prince Charming. Well, babe, that day is today. So if everybody could please join me in raising a toast to the new Mr. and Mrs. Kaczynski and wish them their happily ever after. Thank you. He nailed it, didn't he? That's, a, that's incredible. The cadence, the shaking papers, the banal personal details nobody cares about, everything. The only thing he missed, because it's TikTok, so time constraints, but really, in real life, the speech goes on for 27 minutes, contains many more personal references and anecdotes to memories and events that is of, that are of no interest to anybody in the, uh, in the room. That's why when people ask me for um, public speaking tips, because I do a fair amount of public speaking, and well, I used to anyway, before all this. Uh, and I always say, my first tip, and this is in general, if somebody asks for tips on anything, this is my first tip. Don't be bad at it. That's the most valuable advice I can give. First thing, don't suck, okay? And the second is this. If you are bad at it, be as short as possible. And that's another thing that applies to everything in life. Whatever you're doing, don't be bad at it. If you are bad of it, bad at it, do it. Do as do as uh, little of it as, as you can, which of course means you'll never get better at it. So maybe this isn't the best advice, but at least for the sake of everybody else in the room, we would prefer if you. We would prefer that you're not bad at it. If you are, then just be be very short. Do not inflict yourself on your audience for very long, and don't try to be funny, because you're not. And remember, when you get up there to speak, that you are being judged and judged harshly by everybody in the room. However nervous you are, you should be 10 times more nervous. We are judging you. If it's terrible, we will talk about you behind your back. We will remember how bad this was. The next time we see you, we'll think about how terrible you were, and we will have lost respect for you, okay? Keep that in mind as you go up there. It's very important. That's my public speaking advice. And that's probably why I've never been hired as a public speaking coach or any other kind of coach, in fact. Now, um, for your daily cancellation, this one you probably saw coming from a mile away. Mayor Bill de Blasio is canceled. Mayor Bill, the thing you have to realize about Mayor Bill is that, first of all, he's an incompetent doofus. Second, he's actually evil. Okay, so he's an evil, incompetent doofus, and he looks like a cartoon character. Other than that, he's a great guy. I mean, other than those things, I think he's a, he's a really splendid individual. So let's just review the last few months in uh, the world of Mayor Bill. Two months ago, Bill was on TV encouraging New Yorkers to go, to go hit the town, go to the movies, etc. Uh, in fact, he initially responded to the coronavirus pandemic by giving movie recommendations and saying, hey, folks, go check out this movie in the theaters. That was his first response to the, to the epidemic. Not making that up. That's what he did. 
Then a month later, he completely reversed himself with no acknowledgement that he had reversed himself, no apology for putting New Yorkers in harm's way by encouraging them to go out in the middle of this. And uh, next thing you know, he's shutting everything down, threatening to close churches permanently if they don't comply, which of course is wildly unconstitutional. And he, do he doesn't have even the whiff of the authority to do that. And then yesterday he sent out this tweet. Look at this tweet here. It says, my message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping the disease and saving lives, period. Now, some people have tried to defend Bill. I won't even call him Mayor Bill. Um, he's just Bill. Actually, Billy. Uh, some people have tried to defend Billy by saying this is out of context. It's actually part of a whole thread of tweets. Okay, so you got to put it in context. That the defense is that there is some context that would make it okay for, for Billy to tweet that he's going to round up the Jews. And then, okay, let's look at the context. Okay, let's look at the entire tweet thread. He says, something absolutely unacceptable happened in Williamsburg tonight. Um, a misspelling tonight. A large funeral gathering in the middle of this pandemic. When I heard, I went there myself to ensure the crowd was dispersed. And what I, what I saw will not be tolerated so long as we are fighting the coronavirus. Then he goes on to message to the Jewish community, so on. Then he says, we have lost so many of these, of these um, uh, we've lost so many these last two months. And I understand the instinct to gather to mourn, but large gatherings will only lead to more deaths and more families in mourning. We will not allow it. I have instructed the NYPD to have one standard for this whole city, zero tolerance. Yeah, that doesn't make it any better, does it? To me, it doesn't make it any better whatsoever. This is one of those things that context can't save you from. I want you to imagine this statement, but take out Jewish and put in, say, black. Uh, my message to the black community and all communities is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. Or put in Muslim or gay or really any other type of community. Because another defense is that he was actually talking to all communities, and he even said, and all communities. Okay, if you think that's fine, then, then you should be okay with take Jewish out, put in any other type of community. Then read it and tell me if you'd be okay with that. Now, you could put in Christian there, too. I think he, he, de Blasio would have no problem threatening Christians that way. In fact, he already has. He threatened to shut down churches permanently. So... Um, but is a Jewish or, or Christian, I think he's fine threatening, but any other group, including other religious groups, like I said, Muslim. Do, do you think he would, can you ever imagine Bill de Blasio? My message to the Muslim community, the time for warnings has passed. It would never happen, ever. So this is just, uh, I, I mean, how, how do you even describe it? It's d despicable, and uh, I, I have no respect for this guy whatsoever. Well, I won't refer to him as his title. Uh, he, he does not deserve it, hasn't earned it. Um, he, he doesn't respect the law that's supposed to govern him, which is the Constitution. And so I have no respect for him whatsoever. Uh, he has no moral authority at all in his position. And he should be ignored. You know, my message to the religious community in New York is to ignore this son of a you-know-what. This is not acceptable. We, we, we could joke about it and make light of it, but starting with him threatening to close down houses of worship permanently, 
This is dictatorial, tyrannical nonsense. And it is not acceptable. This is not just some silly little thing. Oh, that's de Blasio being de Blasio again. No, this is him being a tyrant and op- operating illegally. He has no legal right whatsoever to make a threat like that. And to be singling out Jews in the middle of a crisis, okay, we, we have seen historically Jews being blamed in a crisis before. We know how that goes. So to call this reckless and irresponsible would be to only scratch the surface of what we're dealing with here. So de Blasio is uh, canceled at a minimum. Let's move, let's move on to uh, your emails. And you can always email the show. at uh, If you become a Daily Wire member, you can uh, email the mailbag. Um, this is, let's go right to Ari or Ari. Uh, says, hi, Matt. Love the show. My least favorite cliche is live in the moment. Can you talk about why that's actually terrible advice? I figure you'd have a good way of putting it. I like, I, like these, I like these kinds of emails. I get these emails a lot where people assign me an opinion and say, well, I know your opinion is this. Let's hear you defend it. And uh, I can see why you would think that that would be my opinion, that I would think that live in the moment is a stupid cliche. And, I mean, it is a cliche, yes. Uh, but I'm not convinced that it's a terrible that it that it is actually terrible advice. It, it's it's terrible advice only in the sense that all cliches are terrible advice. In that there's no point in even offering them as advice because the receiver of the advice has heard it a million times already and will just tune it out. So even if it's true, there are a lot of cliches that are true, but there's no point in saying them because it, 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 you might as well just be singing the ABC song or something. It's just it's just words at this point. We've all heard it so many times, it doesn't, doesn't have any impact. It's like telling somebody, look on the bright side. I mean, there's, 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 even if they should be looking on the bright side, there's no point in saying that because no one's going to hear that and say, wow, you know, I never thought of that. I never heard that before. Never thought of it. I think I will look on the bright side. This has changed my life. Thank you for that insight. That's never going to happen. But even so, live in the moment. I think we should find another way of phrasing it so it's not a cliche anymore, but it does contain... An important truth, I think. Even the gospel tells us, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, talks about the birds of the air, lilies of the field, how they uh, aren't stressing over tomorrow uh, and uh, uh, sufficient for the day is its own evil and, and, and so on. There's, there's a, a deep truth there, uh, even if it's been reduced to a, to a mundane, maudlin uh, platitude, there is a truth to it. The truth of, and I think the truth of live in the moment is this, that when someone says live in the moment, what they really mean is live in reality, okay? Face reality, face the truth of your circumstance, and operate accordingly. I think, I think that's what live in the moment really means. Because, of course, in reality, you have no choice but to live in the moment. You have to. You can't live anywhere else. The past is gone. The past is now just a thought, a memory. The future is uh, a hope, an assumption, maybe a fear, an anxiety, but it's not a real hard reality. And when it does become a real reality, it's not the future anymore. It's, 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 it's this present moment. And so that's all you ever really have. So maybe live in the moment is more of a reminder than advice. It's more of a way of saying, hey, you know, you are a being stuck in time and space. All you can ever do is take each moment as it comes. You literally have no other choice. So you might as well face that and stop being delusional and, and live that way. Um, I was actually thinking about this recently because, 
you know, I said that the past is just a memory, but in truth, the past isn't even, isn't even that in most cases. I was thinking about and feeling disturbed by the fact that I have forgotten almost everything that has ever happened to me. Almost everything I've ever thought, felt, said, experienced, almost all of it, I have forgotten. It's, just, it's gone. In fact, I forget almost everything that happens to me as soon as it happens. And that's not just me. That's, that's true of, of all of us. Think about it. Think about how many moments you have lived. Millions of moments. How many of them can you recall vividly? Probably not that many. Um, and I don't know how they tallied this, but I, I was reading recently that the average person has 70,000 thoughts in a day. I have no idea how they could possibly quantify how many thoughts a person has in a day. But let's just say for the sake of argument that it's 70,000. How many of your 70,000 from yesterday can you remember now? Or a week ago? Or a, a year ago? Right? So many of those thoughts um, are gone and you're never going to have them back. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure we've all had experiences of looking at old pictures and uh, having it bring to mind an event in our lives that we'd all that you basically forgotten about, even though it was meaningful at the time enough that you took a picture of it, and then you look at it and you kind of remember, oh yeah, I remember that happening, and but th- this was that this really meaningful thing that happened to you that had already slipped all the way to the peripherals of your mind, and and uh, and you had all but um, lost any memory of it, so. All that is just to say that, I mean, even the past, when you think about it, it's, it's, it really is gone. I mean, in almost every sense, not even a memory. So much of what you experience and think, not only will you forget it, but everyone will forget it. And what does that mean? Um, it just means that, uh, well, it just goes back to that, that all you have is now, is now. you have this moment, so... You, know, you might as well do something with it. What, what, what other choice do you have? And, uh, and at the end of your life, when you're looking back and if you're feeling regrets, it's just it's a regret over moments that were wasted. Um, not just moments wasted like doing stuff that you, not doing something you wanted to do or doing stuff that you shouldn't have been doing. I mean, you'll have those kind of regrets too. But a lot of your regrets are just going to be about your priorities, about the things that you chose to think about, about the things you chose you know, those 70,000 thoughts you had each day, you're going to regret a lot of those thoughts. It's just you chose to think about and care about the wrong things and so on. So um, I think the, that's the point of that cliche. And uh, there is a, a, lot of, a lot of truth to it. Not that I'm at all good at, at uh, actually living in the moment, I have to say. But all right, now that we've gotten that cliche out of the way, I think we'll leave it there. Hope these, these moments were not wasted for you. I'm afraid they probably were. There's probably better things you could have been doing than listening to me. But hey, you can't get it back. It's the past now. So, sorry. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. 
Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. So who decides what information you should hear? The left says the experts on social media should censor anything that isn't approved by the World Health Organization. I say, are you kidding me? We'll talk about it. Plus, we've got the mailbag, so all your problems will be solved on The Andrew Claven Show.